My dad cut down a bush that shaded the side of our house when I was growing up. It's a nice enough bush, but he whacked it down with a vengeance. That was after he spent the entire weekend digging up the sewer line that the roots of that bush had clogged. So we didn't mind seeing that bush going because we'd gone the weekend without being able to flush the toilets. We were ready for that bush to be gone. It's amazing how one little bush can cause so much damage. The nation of Israel learned a similar lesson as they moved from the victory at Jericho to the next city in the Promised Land, little bitty village by the name of Ai. Seemed like it wasn't going to be any problem at all. I was not fortified like Jericho. than a very small fighting force. In fact, Joshua and his soldiers didn't even send a full contingent of their army. They just sent a few down the road thinking that everything would just be a piece of cake. Didn't quite work out the way that they had planned. And the reason found here in Joshua chapter 7 beginning in verse 1 is very instructive to us today. This passage of Scripture teaches us never to underestimate the devastation brought into our life by sin. The Bible tells us there is no such thing as a small sin. A fellow by the name of Achan didn't think that was the case. He was one of the fighting men of Israel, one of the soldiers of the army of the nation. And he had heard Joshua give very specific orders that Joshua was bringing to the people from the Lord. That they were not to take anything from the city of Jericho. Joshua told them how God was going to bring down the walls, how he was going to give them complete victory over this powerful city. But as They went in, they were to leave all of the gold and the silver to be gathered up for the temple of the, for the the archive of the Lord, and all the other treasure was to be destroyed. No one was to take anything. But Achan thought, well, you know, a little pocket full of gold isn't going to hurt anybody. Apparently he scooped some up along the way hid it there in his robe, thinking it wasn't going to make any difference. But he could not have been more wrong. Joshua 7 verse 1 tells us, But the Israelites acted unfaithfully in regard to the devoted things. Achan, son of Carmi, son of Zimri, the son of Zerah, of the tribe of Judah, took some of them. So the Lord's anger burned against Israel. So what was the big deal? So what if Achan pocketed a little bit of gold out of Jericho? Why would that cause the Lord's anger to burn? Well, it's the same reason why God became angry with Moses. When Moses did not follow the Lord's instruction for getting water from a rock in the wilderness. You remember that story. As Moses stepped outside of God's command... God didn't allow Moses to enter into the promised land. Seems like a harsh penalty for just whacking a rock the wrong way. But here's the issue. And it is the fundamental issue for all sin. Both Moses and Achan made the mistake 
of doing it their way rather than God's way. Anytime we decide that our way is better than God's way, you can know things are about to come off the rails. When God had told Joshua that he would deliver Jericho to them, he had warned Joshua not to allow any of the people to take any of the treasure from the city for themselves. And that was for at least two reasons. First of all, much, if not all, of the treasure in Jericho would have in one way or another been connected to the idol worship of the city. Now, for obvious reasons, the people of Israel didn't need to be carrying around a bunch of idols. They were going to have enough temptation of following the false gods of the Canaanite land without that. But second, God wanted them to understand that the destruction of Jericho was not for the enrichment of the people of Israel. In the Old Testament day, when an army would would conquer a land, typically the soldiers would take everything. They would loot every piece of treasure that was anywhere around and take it for themselves. It was a sign of total domination, total victory. And as the old saying goes, to the victor goes to the spoils. The defeat of Jericho was different. Jericho did not fall because Israel had a more powerful army. Jericho fell because they refused to worship and acknowledge the one true God. They believed their walls were stronger than the God of Israel. And the walls crumbled before the one true God. The defeat was not to enrich the nation of Israel. It was not to enrich the soldiers of Israel. This was a different kind of battle. The battle of Jericho was to show God's power and glory. It would be the first of a lot of battles that were going to be that way. And so it was important from the very beginning that the nation of Israel understand that. They were not being given the promised land because they deserved it. They were not being given the promised land because they had a powerful army or mighty generals. They were being given the promised land for the glory of God. And they needed to understand that from day one. But Achan decided differently. As he walked through the devastated streets of Jericho, he made a decision that this battle wasn't just for the glory of God. He wanted a little bit of that glory, too. And so he scooped up some of the treasure, certainly thinking, well, this will be no big deal, no problem, nobody will know, no harm, no foul. No big deal. Folks, any time we depart from God's command, it's a big deal. You may remember from a few years back the problems with the Hubble telescope. That wonderful, amazing piece of machinery that was put up in orbit. It was designed to bring back the sharpest images from outer space ever. But the first images as they came back were blurry. They were out of focus. Uh, They weren't even as good as some of the smaller telescopes here on Earth. 
And engineers soon realized the problem. You remember this story. During the manufacture of the mirror that was supposed to magnify everything, a technician, when he was putting the things together to grind that mirror, he used a washer, you know, the little thing that goes on a bolt as you're, you're screwing everything together, a washer that measured just slightly off. So that when the mirror was ground, it was ground all of two microns wrong. A micron is is just a fraction of the width of a human hair. That's all it was. No big deal. No problem. This will still work. Well, a few billion dollars of your tax money later, they finally fixed that two micron mistake. Who could have imagined that that small of an error could be so expensive? Folks, the Bible speaks in no uncertain terms. What we might consider to be a small sin is devastating. Don't ever believe the lie that your sin doesn't matter. That it won't hurt. That it's not going to be any big deal. It may seem that way for a season. You know, sometimes we, we kind of look at God's command and then we see what we think is going to be a better way and we keep considering it, we keep mulling it over and then and finally we, we give in and we, we depart from God's path and nothing happens. Everything seems okay. I expect Achan was whistling all the way back to his tent. Thinking, wow, I'm a rich man now. Got me some treasure. He couldn't have been farther from the truth. The devastation that would come would not only affect him and his family, it affected the entire nation of Israel. Sin runs far deeper than you can ever imagine. These first verses of Joshua chapter 7 described what happened as the people of Israel continued their progress into the promised land. Joshua sent some folks to to check out this village of Ai. They came back saying it's a small little town, doesn't have any fortification, they have a very small army. Our whole army doesn't even need to go. Just, Just pick a few men, we'll go down there, win a quick victory, and it'll be done. It wasn't the way it happened. Soldiers of Israel lost Overwhelmingly, 36 of the soldiers lost their lives. It was devastating. They returned back to the camp of Israel with the horrific news that they had not only been defeated, they had been soundly defeated by this force that was smaller than theirs. And the people grew afraid. Joshua did too. The Bible records how he went to the Lord in verse 7. Joshua said, Ah, sovereign Lord, why did you ever bring this people across the Jordan to deliver us into the hands of the Amorites to destroy us? If only we had been content to stay on the other side of the Jordan. Oh, Lord, what can I say now that Israel has been routed by its enemies? The Canaanites and the other people of the country will hear about this and they will surround us and wipe out our name from the earth. What then will you do for your own great name? Now next week, 
we'll find out what God told them to do. So, so come back next week. You'll get the rest of the story. But this morning, I want you to realize it. The devastation that Achan's little sin brought on the entire nation of Israel. They lost a battle they should have won. Thirty-six of their valiant soldiers lost their lives. The nation was so devastated that they wished they'd never come to the promised land in the first place. All because one man scooped up a little gold. I learned a lot about roots when my dad was out there pulling them out of the sewer. (laughs) Roots can go really, really deep. I would have never thought that little bush could have done the damage that it did. But roots can go way down. There's some trees that put down roots as far as 20 feet into the ground. And they often spread out over a large area, especially in urban areas like the, the Ozarks. The trees that you see, those roots will go out long, long way, much farther than you can imagine. And what they're doing, they're looking for something to eat. They want to feed the tree. They're looking for nutrients, of which there are many in the sewer line. So when one of those roots comes along and it finds the little hairline fractures that will happen sometimes in in sewer lines, it, it will kind of work its way inside and discover, wow, there's lots of goodies in here. Come on in, guys. And they bring all their friends. And that root begins to grow and it causes the crack to get larger, which allows more roots to get in, which eventually completely clog the line. Now, believe me, you don't want that to happen. There are ways to deal with it, but my dad chose the permanent one. He chopped that bush down. The good news, God has given us the tools to do exactly that in our life with sin. To cut it down. Chop it off at the root. First of all, The Bible tells us to identify the problem. The psalmist says in Psalm 139, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. The first thing we need to do is come and fall before our Heavenly Father and say, God, search me. Shine your light in my life. Show me those things that even I don't see. And if there is any offending way, anything that departs from your plan, anything that departs from your will, God, I want to see it for what it is. Give him full access. He he has it anyway. Let him search every crevice of your life. And then, as God reveals those areas where you've allowed some cracks to form, let God's roto-rooter go to work. 1 John 1.9 says, If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins 
and purify us from all unrighteousness. Psalmist wrote these profound words in Psalm 51. He called out to God, Wash away all my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. Don't make the mistake of thinking your sin doesn't matter. It runs deeper than you think. It brings more devastation than you could ever imagine. So let God's cleansing power go to work on you. History reveals to us that every major revival in history has been preceded by a time of repentance and confession among believers. We all want revival. We want God to sweep across our city to change all of the mess that is here, to transform lives of men and women and boys and girls, to bring families back together, to create here a place where we can glimpse the glory of God through His mighty saving power. We all want that. But you know where it starts? Right here. It starts with us, believers, those who know the Lord, crying out to God, wash away all my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. And as God does that, as God cleanses the lives of believers, people will notice. That's what happened in in those incredible revivals of history, those times when entire towns, entire communities, and sometimes even entire nations were transformed by the gospel. What happened was that the non-believers, the people who didn't know Christ, saw what was happening in the lives of believers, saw the transformation that was occurring, and they, they desperately wanted that. See, that's what your friends want. They're looking for something to make them clean, to make them feel better about themselves. And they've tried all kinds of other stuff. They've tried alcohol, and they've tried running around, and they've, they've tried building a giant business and making a lot of money. They've tried driving a fancy car. They've tried building a big house. None of it filled that void. None of it made them feel any better. They're desperately searching for something. And when they see it in your life, they will be drawn to the Christ who cleanses you. In the revivals of history, believers fell down before God, crying out for His forgiveness, crying out for His cleansing. And God transformed those churches. And as the church was transformed, the community followed. And as the community followed, the region began to respond. As the region responded, Large numbers, thousands of people came to Christ. It all started 
as believers, cried out to God. What would it be like if God did the same thing here at National Heights Baptist Church? What would it be like if people from our community looked at us and wondered what's happening there? What is that? Whatever it is, I want it. It all starts as we confess before God our sinfulness and allow His amazing grace to cleanse us anew. Heavenly Father, this is what we want. We want our community to be, to be transformed. We want our nation to be changed. God, that all starts with us. So, Heavenly Father, we pray that you would search our heart. And if there is anything there that is offensive to you, any bitterness, any envy, any impure thought, anything, God, that is outside of your plan, God, reveal it. Show it to us. And then through your amazing cleansing power, rid our life of it. We don't want it anymore, Lord. We don't want that in our life. We don't want it in our church. We don't want it in our community. We don't want it in our world. So God, transform us through your forgiving grace. In Jesus' name, amen.